Kifa. Okay, welcome to Move Left Idiots, a progressive talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo. I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Jeremy Elwood. Jeremy, what what's going up? On? How's it going out there? Ah, not bad, not bad. And uh, we're also joined by a special guest co-host, uh, back from the dead this week, uh, Max Carone. Max, what's going on? Hey man, you know, just enjoying the new year in this movement. Or yeah. attempting to. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I guess let's just get right into it. Uh, I got a lot of stuff I want to go over this week. Uh, For anyone that's listening, though, if you haven't already checked it out, check out our podcast from uh, this week, from Wednesday. We did a um, review of the movie Bright, uh, and that's part of our Movie Left podcast, which is our Patreon-only politically-themed or politically-tinged movie review podcast podcast. so we decided to release an episode, you know, to the main feed just to give people kind of a feel for how uh, things go in that podcast. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think that one came out pretty good. So go check that out if you haven't heard it already. Um, so yeah, uh, let's just get right into it because uh, a lot of shit going on this week. Uh, so the world went crazy about this this new Trump book, Fire and Fury. Um, I, maybe I'm in the minority. It it, it reads kind of like fan fiction to me, but like I don't know. What what do you guys think? Have, have you kind of heard about this? What what are your feelings on the whole uh, fire and fury controversy? I I guess I'll tell you that I really don't give a shit. Um, to be honest, I I don't fucking yeah. care. Yeah. Uh, I found it humorous. I found it humorous <laughs> yeah. the fact oh, that sure. you know Bannon is like the the key quote-unquote witness for the whole goddamn thing and they're both douchebags so i don't care um uh wolf is known for writing fan fiction but he's also known for being actually pretty good when he does legitimate writing and in that regard also no one has technically said that they didn't say those things like, yes, the quotes so, especially. Bannon hasn't refuted any of the quotes attributed to him. But I really don't give a shit. Let's let's focus on the actual issues at hand. Trump is a piece of shit who keeps breaking the law and getting away with it. Can we just do something about that? That would be cool. Yeah. I agree. I mean, yeah. honestly, that's what it comes down to for me. Is It's like, my dad actually has a really good saying on stuff like this. And it's like, how many times does somebody have to show you they're a piece of shit before you say, oh, yeah, they're a piece of shit. So, like, whenever, when I used to be caught up in it and paying attention all the time, I'd be like, oh, Dad, did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? He's like, Max, how many times are you going to tell you? Like, <laughs> he's a piece of shit. So, okay, now he's just, we're, we'd be, we, it's been reaffirmed for the millionth time. And I'm, I'm with you, Jeremy. The problem is, is in D.C., this shit takes over because it's all this, it's honestly just useless noise drama it's a so that nobody does their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge distraction from a couple of really important things uh, that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, no, I, I, I more or less feel the same. Um, I, I think basically what everyone's latching on to is this whole like, uh, like, oh, well, Bannon said that the meeting back in, in you know, at the, at the Trump Hotel uh, with, with Don Jr. was treasonous and all that shit. He wasn't saying that like six months ago. So obviously he has an agenda that he wants to forward. Number one. And number two, it's like that really everyone kind of moved past that because it was kind of a whole story about nothing. Like some woman wanted to meet to talk about something not even related to the campaign. She kind of lied her way in to be like, hey, we're I have this info on Hillary. And then when he showed up, she was like talking to him about visas. And he's like, oh, fuck, I wasted my fucking time. You know, (laughs) to be fair, though, apparently a lot of the content of that book happened even before the inauguration. So, I mean, that that's something to take into account sure sure but i i just think people are trying any way they can to focus on that and the whole thing is bannon laid the game out and that and is it well if these quotes are you know true can can be attributed to him 
he the whole thing he said was like, look, they're going to get him on money laundering, which is what we've been saying since like day one. Right. It's like this collusion thing is like a fucking liberal fantasy. It's liberal fan fiction. Like you're not going to find some evidence of like he's Putin's puppet and all this bullshit. Like you're probably going to find some shady financial deals because he's a fucking corrupt oligarch and all corrupt oligarchs have shady financials and they should all be prosecuted. So great. If he gets if they nail him on that, that's fine. That's great. Um, but yeah, I think people are going a little nuts about it. Yeah. I, but I think, I think we have more important things to worry about with Trump in terms of like, uh, let's, let's look at the 25th amendment, uh, for once. Can we do that? Cause I think that's important. Um, he's lost his fucking mind. This book doesn't change anything. All this book does is verify that he's lost his fucking mind. So he, he did say he's like a smart person today. He, he's again, like a on smart Twitter. Person. He's, he's a, what he's a stable genius. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's (laughs) my thing, like, you know, maybe I would actually pay more attention if the the people who have been telling me this guy is, like, the worst thing ever, which, don't get me wrong, he's disastrous, but it seems like it's never for the real reasons half the time. It's like, you guys increased his fucking military budget for somebody that you've said is going to get us into nuclear war and is a Islamophobe, a transphobe, every phobe that you can imagine. And you gave the guy more money, and most Democrats voted on it. So, And now we have a book that says he's fucking insane, which we already knew. But I'd pay more attention to your claims on that and that you care if you didn't go with him, like, fucking half the time on the biggest... Like, honestly, there are small things that are still disastrous that you could have... A few Democrats could have agreed with Trump on. It would still be terrible. But the fact that you just increased our military budget to $700 billion a fucking year... For the next 10 years and you did that with this guy who's a maniac it's uh, that by itself anybody who was a part of that should just be out and i'm sorry elizabeth warren falls in that category you're not a progressive if you feed the war machine no that, that to me was like the her her the, the last of many strikes that i was willing to give her uh that vote <laughs> you know but the, i gotta say the the one reason i really wanted to talk about this book is because the funniest story from yesterday uh in relation to this book was the uh I, what, what some people are calling the gorilla gate controversy i don't know if you guys <laughs> said yeah, yeah. <laughs> this fucking oh my god so one of my favorite twitter uh people personalities whatever you want to call him or her uh is at pixelated boat so yes. they always they always tweet really funny like like goofy shit like this um and they tweeted out yesterday because everyone was tweeting out excerpts from the book uh, wow, this extract from Wolf's book is a shocking insight into Trump's mind. I'm going to read it out for anyone who ha- who didn't catch this, because I know, you know, maybe some of our listeners aren't as Twitter savvy. Um, <laughs> on his first night in the White House, President Trump complained that the TV in his bedroom was broken because it didn't have, quote, the gorilla channel. Uh, Trump seemed to be under the impression that a TV channel existed that screened nothing but gorilla-based content 24 hours a day. To appease Trump, White House staff compiled a number of guerrilla documentaries into a makeshift guerrilla channel broadcast into Trump's bedroom from a hastily constructed transmission tower on the South Lawn. However, Trump was unhappy with the channel they had created, moaning that it was, quote, boring because, quote, the guerrillas aren't fighting. Uh, staff, edit- <laughs> staff edited out all the parts of the documentaries where guerrillas weren't hitting on each other, or weren't hitting each other, uh, and at the last... Uh, and at last, the president was satisfied. On some days, he'd watched the Gorilla Channel for 17 hours straight, <laughs> an insider told me. He kneels in front of the TV with his face about four inches from the screen and says encouraging things to the gorillas, like, the way you hit that other gorilla was good. <laughs> I think he thinks the gorillas hear him. So... <laughs> On its own, super fucking funny, super great uh, <laughs> satirical comedy. Um, the funnier thing, though, about this was that a bunch of uh, these resistance grifters who only make money off of Trump, uh, quote unquote, resistance, which really means talking a game on big game on Twitter and then not doing shit and stealing people's money, uh, like at, like Scott Dworkin, who uh Jeff, Miami Jeff, just exposed as like a total fucking fraud who's taking huge payments to his consulting firm from the Democratic Coalition where he's supposedly raising money for resisting, but he's literally just paying his own consulting firm out of all the money that he's raising. 
Um, so <laughs> people like that, people like Eric Garland, uh, who, who has me blocked on Twitter cause he's a super serious person. Um, tweeted out like Eric Garland tweeted out, uh, the white house staff made a makeshift gorilla channel for Trump to watch as much as 17 times a day. Uh, so a lot of people like that, like legit thought this was a real thing, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. But then it's also kind of like, well, you know, <laughs> like, well, but, what's what score did it get on? Oh, fuck. What's it called? Veritas Project Veritas. What Verit, score did it Verit. get there? Oh, Verit. Sorry. Yeah, it what does score? have a Verit authentication code at the bottom. So I'm pretty sure <laughs> that <laughs> uh, and Squ- Scott Dorkin, who I just mentioned, tweeted out uh, Trump was mad because he wasn't getting the gorilla channel, which doesn't exist. So staff made gorilla- videos of gorillas for him. He thought it was boring because they weren't always fighting, so they edited it to just fights. He then watched and spoke TV as if girls could hear him 17 hours a day. So, <laughs> you know, th- that that whole group is not big on humor or, like, satire, so I can understand, I guess, why they would <laughs> think this is a real thing. But you get to that last paragraph, like, really? Like, y- you don't realize it's a joke by the last paragraph? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Super funny, though. Um, well, did did you see what uh, Netflix posted about that? I, I, th- I think I saw something where they're like, stop asking us for the gorilla channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and, and someone else was like, that's fine, but if, you know, something about season three of Black Mirror, if you tell us, like, that doesn't exist. And uh, Netflix was like, what? I value my life. <laughs> of course not. I don't have a death wish. It's <laughs> great. So. While we're talking about <clears throat> while we're talking about gates, we might as well talk about jacket gate because this was another fucking just. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Twitter is like hell on earth sometimes. I swear to God. <laughs> so uh, I don't even know who started it, but some you know centrist asshole started tweeting out about how. Uh, they, they, where they tweeted a picture of Bernie Sanders and he was wearing a coat, w- uh, the coat he was wearing at the inauguration, which was a heavy winter coat because it was like cold out and, you know, yada, yada. And, th- and then they looked it up on like the website where the coat was being sold. And they're like, oh, my God, Bernie's a socialist because he has a seven hundred dollar coat. And then like Newsweek wrote a story about like socialist Bernie Sanders wears seven hundred dollar coat as if wanting to improve society slightly means that you're no longer able to like protect yourself from inclement weather. <laughs> like, I don't find, like what the fuck? Like Newsweek and is on oh. top of that. It was a gift from his son. Like, well, well that was like, yeah, that was the, the twist of the story. But like, even if it wasn't like these dudes worked in dudes had a, a Senator and a Congressman's salary for like 30 years. Like, and, and the I'm funny sure thing could afford is, a $700 coat. The funny thing is about it is like the people who are bitching about it are the Hillary people who, <laughs> Dude, $14,000 fucking Armani goddamn shirt. Like, come on. Yeah, there was an, well, yeah, she gave a speech about income inequality while wearing a $14,000 Armani pantsuit. So it's like, you know, I'm pretty sure Bertie's fucking sensible $700 coat is not the problem here. And then, yeah. I'm poor as fuck and my coat cost me a hundred. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. You need a fucking nice coat. It's like cold as shit. In the Northeast, like you know, he's going to works in Washington D.C. and lives in fucking the mountains of Vermont. Like, he, and 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 like you said, like they later actually found out and they could prove this through old tweets where Jane was talking about it. It was a gift from their son-in-law or from Jane's son, I guess. Like, so Bernie's stepson, who works at the company that sells the coats, so it was probably, you know, at cost or like half price. So like he didn't even pay for it himself. He got it as like a Christmas gift. So people are just fucking ridiculous. That's that's Newsweek. It just blows me away that, like, they took the time to write that article. Meanwhile, there is so much disastrous shit going on in this country, let alone across the entire world. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. That's the fucking problem. Yeah, that's that's the (laughs) issue. It's not that there's 2.5 million um, homeless children at any given point in the U.S., Or, you know, children who experience homelessness in a year. It's the fact that Bernie Sanders, you know, had a kind of nice coat compared to what everybody. I mean, if you were to probably compare it to what all and same with the whole shit about his his beach house and blah, blah, blah. Compare him to every other senator and congressman 
and he is one of the you know quote unquote poorest. I mean, it's relative, it's a, but still, yeah. he's not a multimillionaire like most of these fuckers. Right. No. Yeah. And his 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 lake house is like. Have you seen pic? There's pictures of it online. It's really not like I think the house I live in is nicer than that. It's just like a vacation house on the lake, you know, like that he goes to occasionally. Like, fucking guy's been working thirty well, years in public service you know, with a I, congressman's salary. Like, I think he should he should sell that coat and then give it to us because if he sells it at cost, that will literally pay for less than one tenth of Denise's medication every month. <laughs> yeah, so, really. I know. mean, like Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, so I, it's just ridiculous. But, but you know what? Newsweek is just the most shameless fucking mouthpiece for the establishment. In a sea of publications that are pretty shameless, they're one of the worst, I have to say. That same day, they pub- or it was either that same day or the day after, they published an article about how America needs Biden uh, for one term in 2020 to return us to normalcy, quote unquote. God. Like, get the fuck out well, of here. You, you know, and the people that support that shit, I, I made a, a tweet about this earlier. It, it just, I'm not upset about this. It actually makes me laugh every time I see it. The yeah. Hillary cult keeps making these polls about who do you want in 2020. And it has like Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Kamala Harris, or like something of that combination. Yeah. And consistently, Bernie Sanders destroys the polls like everybody is like 80 80 some percent bernie sanders so what do they do when that polls over they make a new poll (laughs) with the same question and like my tip was like hey man pro tip if you want the echo chamber take bernie sanders out of your poll yeah like yeah honestly you know it's hard because we 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 deal with them a lot on twitter and we fight with them a lot on social media we have to remember they're a very small sliver of of the voting base, the people that are Democrats that hate Bernie. You know, so most polls put it at around seven or eight percent. Like it, it, it's a very small amount of people. Like average small, Joe, but small but vocal, small but very vocal, and and propped up by the establishment media because the establishment media loves Hillary and establishment candidates, but actual human, you know, people that vote. Uh, fucking hate candidates like that because they're, you know, corporately trained assholes who don't give a shit about people and the policies that people want. So I, I always have to remind myself, like, look, you know, you're yelling into the void. Like, this is a very small vocal minority of people. Like, just just ignore them. But it, it's hard to sometimes because they get boosting from horrible, shitty uh, blue check accounts that, you know, work for media or are actors who want to pretend like they know about politics and things like that. It's like, it is fun to laugh at them and call them out when they keep remaking the polls and remaking the polls. Sure. Absolutely. Um, but you know, (laughs) just ridiculous. Um, so, you know, while I'm talking about horrible, shitty media, uh, so the, I don't know if you guys saw this whole Lord controversy or not really a controversy, but a controversy to some idiots. Um, so Lord, I guess, had scheduled a bunch of concerts for the Middle East or for, you know, just, uh, I guess, an overseas tour. And one of the stops she was doing was Tel Aviv. Um, and a bunch of people, you know, reached out to her and was like, Lord, please don't play in Israel, you know, because of X, Y, and Z. They're horribly oppressing Palestinians. They're They're building illegal settlements on their land. And she, you know got a lot of pressure from the BDS movement and she was like, wow. Okay. So I honestly, like I'm always learning. She put out a really good statement. It was like, you know, I don't always, uh, keep as up to date as I should on, on, you know, issues in the world. I'm always learning and growing. Thanks for people for bringing this to my attention. I won't be playing on Tel Aviv, but like, I hope to dance with, uh, you guys soon or something like people of Tel Aviv making it clear that she wasn't blaming the, the residents of, of, you know, Tel Aviv or the or people of Israel. She was just doing it as a statement against the oppressive, uh, right wing Israeli government. So I, I thought that was fucking awesome. You know, like, great, a great, a good on Lord for like doing that. Um, so, uh, this famous rabbi, this famous right-wing funded rabbi, I, I, I'm just trying to look up his name right here. Um, rabbi Shmuley Botich, I guess. 
uh, took out a full page ad in the Washington Post calling Lord a uh, bigot, uh, smearing her and saying how she um, st- it, it was a pretty I'm just trying to pull up the actual contents of the it, it, it was super disgusting. It was something like uh, what did it say? Oh, 21 is young to become a bigot. Uh, Lord ignores the crimes of Syria to pro- to uh, cave in to a, a anti-Semitic. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah, like what the fuck are you talking about? What? what, what, what? I I don't even know who Lord is. To be honest with you, I guess I'm fucking old. But um, Max, what you're you're you're, I, you're a youngin. What's? Didn't you I, have, like, I will give you. Song? Well, I'll give you some aged yeah. wisdom here. If you're against violence in the Middle East, you're an anti-Semite. Come on, people, get with the picture. Yeah. Right. It, it, but it's just so fucking disgusting. I mean, and the Washington Post for even run. I, I mean, I don't know if they have any control. I, I'm sure they have no problem pushing establishment rhetoric on Israel. But I mean, it's just fucking disgusting. This the, the, just allowing this blatant fucking smearing of somebody for actually having a social conscience. Like it's. Just... I mean, I do. The one thing I do find not funny. I, like, oh, you haven't been paying attention to. You haven't been paying attention to history. It's like this. This isn't a current event. It's not like this just started happening. No, I know. But overall, she's, I mean, she is twenty-one. I mean, I, I I'll give her a little pass. Really? Damn. Um, she's my age. Jesus, I need to start yeah. singing. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it is the right. Please don't. Yeah, obviously, it's the right move, and it's just disgusting. But the thing that we never talk about in this country, and I actually wish would be a thing that would come out of, okay, if we want to talk about like the Russians and just in general foreign influence in our elections and politics, no one's talking about APAC and no one's talking about the Saudis who spend way more money in DC think tanks and everything than any ads, any Facebook ads you could do times 10. Oh, they're I a mean, thousand times more influential than Russia, yeah. It's fucking, it's insane the control that um, APAC through, well, Israel through APAC and the, you know, very right wing Zionist movement has in this country. And yeah, it's, it's really like, and then we have the free, free Ahmed, which I don't know if we're going to talk about today, but, um, I apologize if I butchered the name, but it is really, if Americans actually knew about what was going on in Palestine and what, happens on a daily basis over there or just listen to somebody like chris hedges which there's a reason why chris hedges can only exist on rt (laughs) um people would be honestly blown away about the crimes that happen and you know it's nice that i think it's good on two accounts you know somebody with major influence was able to be swayed and that the bds movement is growing large enough where they can make that much noise I think that is, you know, those are two big positives to take away. So because the the American, you know, establishment media's reaction is predictable. Um, But the fact that those other things happened is is actually impressive. And that's a that's a very good silver lining. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And it's just crazy to me, like the amount of influence like APAC has so much influence that Chuck Schumer, pra- they got Chuck Schumer to praise Trump's decision to move uh, the embassy to Jerusalem. Like that, he he actually, uh, on on behalf of APAC, admonished uh, <laughs> Trump for not doing it sooner. Like like wow. early in his term. Like that's how fucking horrible and shitty their influence is. On, Resist on even the yeah the, the, the resistance politicians in America. So that fucking tells you all you need to well, know. Well, APAC is so powerful that if you want to become the fucking president of the United States of America, you go and speak at the <laughs> APAC lobby and that the only Jewish candidate um didn't go speak there. <laughs> like it is it is actually insane how much well, Tower. he's the only one who could do it without being smeared as an anti-Semite because that's their fucking default. A- APAC and the right-wing government of Israel's default. And I always feel like I have to fucking clarify myself so I don't get called an anti-Semite. But no, it's the fucking right-wing Likud government of Israel that uses this fucking smear tactic of calling you an anti-Semite if you disagree with their fascist policies. Like, well, it's, it, it's, it's not just different. unbelievable. It's not different than what we're experiencing here in the U.S. I mean, let's let's be honest. If, yeah, that's true. If you if you have a problem with with what's going on over there, period, you're an anti-Semite. Even here, if you have a problem with Hillary Clinton, you're a sexist. If you have a problem with or Russian or or Russian, if you have a problem with uh, 
uh, Kamala Harris or any of her quote unquote stances on issues. You're a racist. Like you have these, everyone's just going to identity politics. No one's looking at issues. They're looking at, well, if you don't agree with this person, you must be against their entire fucking genre of being. And it's so funny because they admit that we're way to the left of them. Yet they also call us like right wingers and say we're like like sexist or racist. It's like it, Kyle Kalinsky from Secular Talk calls it weaponized identity politics, which mm-hmm. is a good term for it because we all agree that like you know, the, the world needs to be more just when it comes to racial justice and gender issues and LGBT rights and all that stuff, which is why we fight for candidates who actually believe in advancing those goals. But it, when you hide behind someone's race or someone's gender or anything like that to uh, excuse corporate shitty uh, right-wing economic policies, then you're, you're, you're just fucking full of shit. Like, I, like, I don't know what to say, you know, what else to say about it. It's just people see through that though. So I like, again, I think we, we are experiencing a very small sliver of the internet that has a very big voice uh, the people that that say this shit about actual progressive lefties. So it's just know. hard when you hear those talking points manifest themselves. Like sure. I, I've, I was at a Democrat thing a while back for another candidate I was working with over the summer, and I'm sorry, this woman. Yeah, it was it was a fun experience. Oh, <laughs> uh, and this woman was telling me how. You know, it can't be it can't be Bernie in 2020. You know, like we this country is centered and it's and she's at a Democratic thing. And it's like these people you, are fucking you know everywhere you are, in the Democratic Party. Yeah. And the thing is, though, is it's like it's hard to be. I can't be full of rage when talking to somebody like her because she's a normal person who probably has a bunch of debt and no nobody's actually making her lives better, her life better. And here she is you know, supporting something completely against her own interests. Just like when you meet, um, you know, working Republicans. And it's like, you guys realize that you're like voting against your self-interest every single fucking time. Um, It's the same thing with like Democrats that support people like Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris. It's like, these people don't got your back. And if you can't fucking realize it by now, it's either... You're choosing to be blind to it, or this propaganda machine works really well. So even though oh. it's a small number, they have a they do have influence. Oh god, yeah. and they're they're starting to push Cory Booker again for uh-huh. twenty twenty. He like, come is on, still man. not and, and we'll talk about this later, still not a co sponsor of a Congressional Review Act on net neutrality. He still can't fucking get behind that. That's how fucking corporately bought off Cory Booker is. We'll get to that later. I want to talk about that, but that I, he's just oh god, he's fucking awful. Um you know what? And, I, and I'm just I thinking. You know, blame... at this point, why don't why don't the Dems just go ahead and put Joe Manchin in, in, in for 2020? <laughs> Fuck it, just go all out. Yeah. Right. Oh God. Why not Mitt Romney? They fucking love the resistance. Loves Mitt fucking Romney. All of a sudden, let's just put him as our fucking candidate <laughs> in 2020. Or, or hell, let's get another Bush in there because they, they yeah, really get, love get Bush. Get Mitt a up. fucking get Mitt a pink pussy hat, and he'll be he'll be good to go for 2020. God. <laughs> fucking hell um so uh i did you know on the back of that lord thing i wanted to play this clip for you guys because i did it last week on my solo episode but i wanted to talk about it with other people and see if you guys are as disgusted by it as i was because um i I think a lot of those people that we're talking about i i almost don't blame them because i their brains are fucking poisoned by corporate media like corporate media is so I know we don't think about it because I, I, I speak for myself and I probably speak for you guys to say that I almost never watch CNN, MSNBC, any of that shit. Um, but if you watch it, if you catch it in the background or something, it's fucking like 24-7 awful fucking horseshit establishment propaganda. And I can't believe it sometimes. You know what I do watch uh, in regards to CNN and MSNBC? I don't watch them as a channel. I'll watch CNN if they're having a debate or something like that. But mm-hmm. um on YouTube, there's a channel called Dose of Dissonance, and that channel is really good at pulling out like just the political segments when they're having like interviews. Yeah, and so I'll watch it in that regard. But yeah, I I don't watch that crap. The only time I ever see it is if like somebody pulls out a clip of some particularly awful thing that somebody said, like the uh, James Klubeck thing. Or... Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like the clip I'm about to play you guys because this is maybe the most disgusting. Uh, 
piece of bullshit propaganda I've ever heard in my life on cable news. Uh, and it's by somebody I used to consider like a fairly decent reporter um, in a sea of really shitty establishment. Like, this, you know, I mean, this is Jake Tapper, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, Jake <laughs> <laughs> And it's sad because like he used to be not one of the good ones, but like one of the less objectionable ones. But this is maybe the most disgusting thing I've ever heard on cable news from somebody. So uh, let me just play it and we'll come back and talk about it because we're going to have a lot to unpack with it. Remember yesterday how United States Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley said the U.S. would be taking names of countries that supported a resolution critical of the Trump administration's decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital? Well, let's hope Haley brought a lot of pens and paper because 128 countries voted against the United States today, many of them U.S. allies. Only nine countries voted with the U.S. There were 35 abstentions. Among the 128 countries that voted to condemn the U.S. on this issue were some countries with some rather questionable records of their own. Take Venezuela's representative today. The world is not for sale. The world is not for sale and your threats imperil global peace. The U.S. imperils global peace, says the representative of Venezuela, a country in a humanitarian disaster with violence in the streets, an economy in complete collapse, citizens malnourished, dying children being turned away from hospitals, starving families joining street gangs to scrounge for food. On what moral platform does the government of Venezuela stand today? Not to be outdone, of course, the U.S. also got an earful today from... Syria. We're in the seventh year of the brutal Syrian civil war that has killed half a million people and displaced millions. Syrian President Bashar al-Assad has used chemical weapons against his own citizens, including children. Also feeling a bit preachy to get today, Yemen, which helped draft the resolution condemning the U.S. Seemingly more focused, at least during the speech, on where the U.S. puts its embassy in Israel than on the seven million Yemenis on the brink of starvation in that country's civil war. In light of the sensitive circumstances that our region is experiencing and which constitute a threat to international peace and security. Yemen concerned with stability in the region. Interesting. There are plenty of policies and actions that are perfectly valid to criticize about the United States and about Israel. And certainly whether this move will help the peace process in any way seems one of them. But listening to these countries, including North Korea and Myanmar and Turkey and China, lecturing the United States in any way about human rights and peace might seem a bit much. But here is a bit of context that you might not know. According to UN Watch, which monitors the United Nations, the United Nations General Assembly from 2012 through 2015 has adopted 97 resolutions specifically criticizing an individual country. And of those 97, 83 of them have focused on Israel. That is 86%. Now, certainly Israel is not above criticism, but considering the genocide of the Rohingya people in Myanmar, the lack of basic human rights in North Korea, the children starving in the streets of Venezuela, the citizens of Syria targeted for murder by their own leader using the most grotesque and painful of weapons, you have to ask, is Israel truly deserving of 86% of the world's condemnation? Or possibly is something else afoot? at the United Nations, something that allows the representative of the Assad government to lecture the United States for moving its embassy. Holy so, fucking shit. Sorry. I just had to yeah, say that. Yeah. I, there's so much to unpack there. Uh, I, 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 love the, I love the veiled, exactly what we were just talking about, accusations of anti-Semitism when you oppose a super shitty move by the right-wing government of Israel, or the right-wing government of America in this case. Um... I, well, you, you know what? What really gets me about that about that segment too is that yeah, those countries um, are opposed to what we're doing. Uh, first of all, you don't need to frame it as though it's the world against the U.S. It's the world against something that the U.S. decided to do, and it's rightfully opposed to that. Secondly, you have he mentioned those countries, but he didn't mention the fucking U.K. or. You know, any of the or other every countries. other country in the fucking UN, basically, that, yeah, <laughs> that are our ally, 128 fucking countries. Now, yeah, Sweden, what does Norway, that tell you Germany. when what does that tell you when you have these countries that are doing really nasty shit like North Korea, Syria, um, uh, the one that starts with an A that I can't think of right now? Um, what does it tell you when you have these countries that are opposed to what the U.S. decide to do and you have all of our allies on their side saying, yeah, that's pretty fucked up. 
you know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know why Jake Tapper would do a, do a piece like this. Like, I don't know who fucking told him to, or if he genuinely is that much of a fucking establishment bitch boy, but like, uh, he mentions Yemen, like, oh, Yemen should be concerned. Motherfucker, we're literally facilitating the genocide of the Yemenese people. And you're saying, like, oh, yeah, well, how dare Yemen be concerned? Like, what? Yeah, that was, that's the one that, that's <laughs> where it fuck? really got, yeah. like, that's where I, my blood started to boil. Because it's like, you're a fucking newsman. Like, you're supposed to inform people, and your fucking station hasn't informed anybody of the reason that Yemen has a catastrophe is solely because of the U.S. providing, and namely, if we want to backtrack a little bit, namely the Obama administration, especially when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, funding and arming the Saudis enough so that they could wage this type of war, and now we're still actively involved in it. So the fact that he's the newsman, like if it was well, like same, fucking Joy Reid or some shit. Same thing with Syria, though, too, Matt. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I you mean, know? Un, like, and most, un, most of the countries... That he listed in some way, shape, or form, the United States decimated either current day or within the last fifty years. With the exception no. of North Korea. No, I mean no. Actually, North Korea is the one I was saying. With if you go back in time during the Korean War, we blew up dams. Like Noam Chomsky talks about it, but you can read the military literature about it. But how we targetedly blew up dams in North Korea and completely decimated the country and our our military leaders would openly just write about it and talk about it. I mean, it. so they remember that history. None of us fucking know it because we don't learn it, but they remember what our country did to them. And, oh, God, I'd go on for days. But it was that was probably one of the most I mean, disgusting what? things I've ever heard. And no one ever talks about the fact that, yeah, Israel has more resolutions against them than the fucking Palestinians. Who are told, who the world is told, are actually the terrorists, right? Oh, it's the Palestinians, it's the Palestinians, the Palestinians. But Israel has 10 times, not even 10, like 20 to 30 times the resolutions against them. And the other thing that that's misleading on, that people always use that stat, is that's in the General Assembly that they have the most resolutions passed against them, which is a toothless meaning. It means nothing. It's just like a, a, a stern scolding. In the uh, Security Council, they've only had one resolution passing in the, against them in the last fucking 20 years. And the Security Council is the only branch of the UN that actually has the ability to do anything, like, you know, in terms of investigations or any of that sort of shit. You know, the Security Council were the ones we sent into Iraq, supposedly, to look for, you know, weapons of mass destruction that couldn't find any. Um, that you know those are two different branches like well, the the general assembly means fucking nothing it's just a a voice vote like it doesn't mean anything and you know what also helps that to get a lot of those resolutions is that for almost a little over the last 50 years every single settlement that's been built is internationally recognized as illegal that'll help yeah. rack up well, fucking... and, and, yeah and they've kept doing it <laughs> despite all the resolutions against them so and jake like... tapper should be the person telling the american people this but yeah, three assholes on a podcast shouldn't have to, to explain this to people. Like, this should be what every newsman and woman in America is fucking saying when talking about the story. But, of course, that never happens. Oh, God. Now I'm pissed, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Well. <clears throat> and the, the sad part is, the really sad part, even after that segment, Jake Tapper's still probably the best MSM anchor we got. That's, I know. That's the scary part. This sad fucking state of affairs. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, piggybacking on that story, <laughs> I guess this is like a trio of Israel stories today. Did you guys see the thing about how Facebook is voluntarily censoring accounts uh, at the behest of both the U.S. and the Israeli government, uh, including Palestinian uh, freedom fighter accounts, basically? Did not see that. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Of course, I don't really pay attention to Facebook. So I, <laughs> no, I, well, I, it was an intercept story actually that that that, that was oh, talking I missed about it. it but, Weird, because um, usually uh, Glenn Greenwald posts all that shit. I didn't see it. Yeah, I don't know if he actually wrote it or if someone else there did, but it, it yeah, I, I, it's just fucking scary. I mean, but that we, we've talked a lot about how dangerous it is to put uh, the rights, uh, free speech rights, in the hands of a couple of Silicon Valley maniac billionaires like 
Mark Zuckerberg and Jack from Twitter and other fucking assholes like that. So, uh, well, here's the thing: yeah. they <clears throat> okay. So Facebook and Twitter are private companies, so they can do whatever the hell they want to do. If they want to ban people or whatever, they can do that. Um, but to that effect, I think the rules need to be followed for everybody. Because in that same regard, did you see what Twitter announced regarding Trump? Well, they changed their terms of service. Yeah. <clears throat> they, they literally said that they can't do anything about Trump because he's a world leader. Well, they literally updated their terms of service to uh, – so their provision about uh, hate speech or uh, advocating for violence. They put an asterisk in there that said basically not applicable to world governments or government what? function. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Well, okay, so one thing that is one kind of bright side, and it's it's related, but not directly to that, is that Trump is being sued for blocking journalists on Twitter <laughs> because since he is a world leader, like, people He's the have government to be literally to... censoring your ability but, to... Well, the, the court said that, that what he posts on Twitter, if that's the platform he's going to use, then what he posts on Twitter, even from his private account, is official statement. So in that they regard, said it themselves. The White House said that even. Yeah. So, so in that regard, know, that means that he cannot block, <laughs> cannot block journalists. And you're right. You're right. I mean, there is another bright side, too. I mean, if if Twitter does ban or block him or suspend him or whatever, then we won't be able to discuss the shit that he's doing because we won't know the shit that he's doing because he's a fucking idiot and puts everything out there on Twitter. So at least with him doing this, we we know what the hell's going on and we can kind of try to make an action plan around it. So, I mean, yeah. that's another bright side. But on the other hand, he is seriously fucking causing violence in our country. It's because of him that we've had the explosion of shootings that we've had. I mean, you can argue that all you want. But the fact is, when he got into office and started spewing his right wing hate speech, that's when shit really started to explode. Well, yeah, violence so, against Muslims went way up. You know, there's there's so many, you know, violence against minorities in general went way violence up. Violence against uh, violence against the left. I mean, Jesus Christ. You have yeah, well, people <laughs> neo Nazis. Yeah. yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Well, God, he's uh, a piece of shit. Jesus yeah, Christ. Times are rough, but <laughs> uh one more story I want to bring up. Uh that that'll Surely pisses all off immensely. Uh, <laughs> not oh, because I'm not already there. Yeah, right. I know, right? Um, <laughs> but this is, I really think this is important because I have seen almost nobody talking about this. And to me, it's the fucking craziest thing in the world that I, that this even is a question. So we all know about uh, Ajit Pai, <laughs> that shit-eating uh, FCC chairman who, uh, you know, gutted net neutrality recently. Um, but there is actually a, me- a a way to stop the repeal of net neutrality. Uh, you could ever, any any decision like that that's made by the FCC or any governing body is subject to congressional oversight. So if brought f- to a vote and a majority of senators, fifty one senators, vote uh, in favor of of you know canceling that resolution or canceling Pi's decision, they can do that. Uh, so in order for a bill or in order for, in order for that to come up for a a congressional review vote, 30 senators need to co-sponsor a bill calling for a congressional review vote. Um, so, so I've, of course, like when I heard that, I was like, oh, great. Awesome. No brainer. So, you know, it's 50, 48, 49. And now thanks to Doug Jones, uh, Senate Democrats are all going to say, yeah, review that. And then it'll be fine. Right. Um, yeah, about that. <laughs> Joe Manchin won't. Like, I'm sorry, I hate that motherfucker, but I guarantee you that Joe not. Manchin... Not only will Joe Manchin not do it, they can't even get 30 fucking Democrats to co-sponsor this bill. They're stuck at 29 right now, and I don't think that that's an accident. Oh, what a useless party! Hey, uh, yeah, part of that is because just in 2016, the telecoms industry or the National Cable and Telecommunications Association, they're fucking, you know. Uh, bribery funnel gave mm-hmm. two over two point six million dollars in contributions in the twenty sixteen cycle and spent thirteen point four million dollars in lobbying just in twenty sixteen. I don't even know the twenty seventeen numbers. Um. So yeah, I mean they they fucking I'm hedged to... their bets for so long. I mean, it, 
This I'm is, willing to bet these 19 uh, Democrats who haven't signed on are probably the top recipients of that <laughs> communications, fu- that contribution. Um, oh, of course. I mean, honestly, it's it's really until and this is the hardest part, because even after corporate money, there's so many other things we need to do just to make our electoral system work. Um, but the the corporate cash is fucking I, that's the that's the name of the game in D.C. I mean, we all know it, but it's like in these times is when most of the articles that have been that have been written, I feel like still fail to hit home that point that whether it's Democrat or Republican, it really doesn't matter. Telecom's cash and influence has been there since day one. And it goes back to Clinton, um, like most fucking terrible policy decisions in this country in recent time. It took a Democrat to do it, a corporate Democrat to get through the worst things. Yeah, um, well, telecommun- Telecommunications Act of 96 totally deregulated the industry, which is why we have six fucking media companies. So, Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I don't want to sound like pessimistic here, but it's no surprise that we're not going to be able to make a lot of progress through through Congress. I think the only progress we're going to be able to make is get those motherfuckers out. That's if we want to actually see net neutrality as a thing again, or see some or some some regulation with more teeth on the internet and on companies like Verizon, Comcast, and AT and T. We have to just get these fuckers out in 2018. Well, you know, yeah. I, I mentioned this before back. Actually, back before uh, when Obama was still in office and um, uh, what's his name? The SEC chair at that time. Um, what? Oh, fuck. What was his name? Um, well, whatever. But he was trying to he was trying to get rid of net neutrality, too. Yeah. And we had to fucking I, beg Obama. Tom Wheeler. That's what Tom was. Wheeler. And I had an issue with it then, but I kind of had a feeling we were going to win. Um, and we did. And then when Ajit Pai got in, I got really scared because he's the type of sniveling, creepy, corporate piece of shit that would pass it. And he did. My next fear is if if this is not fought by the Democrats, Ajit Pai is the same type of person. I'm, I'm a ham radio operator. It would not surprise me to see him reallocate free ham radio bands for commercial licensing, which <laughs> would mean that a shit ton of us would no longer be able to, to do our hobby. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all. You know? Because um, I don't know if you're familiar with how ham radio bands are set up, but like uh, commercial bands, ham radio bands, and uh, public access bands are all kind of like um, segmented by, by wavelength. So you'll have like a, a, a low frequency area that kind of encompasses all of them. And then like, a, uh, you know, as it goes up, it kind of like segments them all. So there's access in all the different bandwidths, so to speak, okay, to, to make it really simple. It would not surprise me if he closed those gaps and said, oh, you have a ham radio license? Oh, sorry, you have to have a commercial license for this band now. Like, yeah, he's just, anything past he's him. that kind of piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, fuck, you know, this to me is like the biggest problem with the fucking Democrats is that we have to fight them on things that we shouldn't be fighting them on. And we can't focus any of our energy on fighting the fucking Republicans. We have to fight we, them on things to fight things that we need to fight for. Like, it, it's <laughs> yeah. fucked up. Well, we'd, we had to fucking fight Obama on net neutrality to protect net neutrality. And like net neutrality is actually a... And I'm not even a capitalist, but honestly, like it's actually a pro-business stance. Like, oh, it sure. really is. It you know it's just not pro- competition on the internet. Exactly, because the people who are against net neutrality, that's not pro-business. That's pro-monopoly. So exactly. if you're with net neutrality, I mean, that is a that's so I can start my e-commerce store, and then I don't have to worry about AT and T fucking screwing me over to just try and make a little bit of money or making it impossible for me to be profitable. Meanwhile. You know, uh, somebody else who actually is already established could have could afford to pay for actual high speed Internet to be able to get their products out there. It's really what and what I'm kind of hopeful about is at least when it comes to the lawsuits. One, this is like the only time where Google, Facebook, Netflix and those other types of oligarchs, the tech oligarchs might be on our side and their money might be on our side. But. We'll just have to wait and see. Like that's, I think this can only be done in court cases. I'm not optimistic about Congress at all. Because if there's anything last year <laughs> no, fucking showed us is that Congress is 
The Democrats well, in Congress are useless, and the Republicans are monsters. So we can't count on shit happening there. The only people, the only people that should be for the repeal of net neutrality are, IS, are major ISPs like Comcast, Cox, AT&T, Verizon, etc. Um, even the big businesses like Google, Netflix, Facebook, um, that type of thing should still be against the repeal of net neutrality because what that it still means takes is power that out of their hands. These ISPs are going to charge them for access for extra speed. So it's going to take money out of their pocket. So even they should, like all of them should be against this. This is ridiculous. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think, I think a lot of them have been, and I'm hoping that we see that manifest itself more with them funding a lot of these court cases. Um, and we have lots of states. I mean, we got to say that like, there's, I want to say maybe at least a dozen, more than a dozen states, attorneys generals have now filed a suit against the FCC. Well, I'll take it a step further. Um, Even the mobile companies like Sprint should be against the repeal because the majority of people use their devices on Wi-Fi, especially now where we have Wi-Fi calling. So that means that let's say Verizon has a package where you buy this, which they already do, but they can now accentuate that package to where if if you have our home service, and you have one of our phones, well, we'll make sure you have more bandwidth. Whereas, let's say I have Verizon home service, but I have a a Sprint cell phone. Well, now I'm fucked. So places like Sprint should be worried about this too, because that's going to cut into their bottom line as well. Like, I I I don't understand how so many people can support this repeal. It's ridiculous but you know what just hit me guys though is honestly like why the fuck is bernie sanders wearing a 700 dollars coat (laughs) (laughs) that's the real problem yeah i mean that's that's our real issue right now it's not fucking bernie flaunting his wealth with a sensibly (laughs) sensibly priced coat hey but at least rachel maddow who you know is employed by comcast at least she's giving us the real deal on um (laughs) yeah she's talking about net neutrality repeal all the time (laughs) So I, I I do want to call out the 19 Democrats who are still not committed to saving net neutrality because uh, it's mostly the usual suspects. But um, I, I don't think it's a, an accident that they got to 29. I think that was a negotiation amongst a certain group of Democrats who are like, look, we know Bernie's going to be in support of the Review Act. We know X, Y, and Z senators are going to support it. Who's going to get? Who's running for re-election? Who's going to run in 2020? Who gets to vote? yes on this because we can't have more than 29 votes i honestly would not be shocked at all if that was the conversation they had um because it's it's no accident uh so here are the 1970 senate democrats who are still not committed to saving net neutrality uh cory booker uh, who apparently is the progressive champion that everyone thinks is going to run in 2020 uh tom carper of delaware bob casey pennsylvania Chris Coons of Delaware, Catherine Cortez Masto of Nevada, Joe Donnelly of Indiana, Diane Feinstein, who was collecting Social Security when the Internet was invented, I believe, uh, in California. Uh, Heidi Heitkamp, uh, Doug Jones, who we just elected on this progressive wave. Uh, and he thanks everyone who elected him by not fucking voting on this. Joe Manchin, of course, Claire McCaskill, Bob Menendez, Chris Murphy from fucking... Wait, 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 wait. Doug Doug Jones also refused? What a piece of shit. Yeah, right? Damn it. I almost would rather have had more. Oh, God. Like, seriously. (laughs) Honestly, it's like, what use are these? Doug Jones is another Joe Manchin. Like, he he honestly, the second he he couldn't wait to say he would work with the Republicans when he got elected. Um, Chris Murphy. And all these people are from fucking deep blue states. Like, there's no reason they shouldn't be voting and even in red states, like eighty-three oh, percent of the American people want fucking net neutrality. Come on, like, Dean, it, Dean Howard wants Chris Murphy to run in twenty twenty. He must be a progressive. <laughs> I, I keep hearing people mention him, Howard. Yeah, it, it's like yeah, Howard Dean was like, oh yeah, or Howard Dean, yeah, Chris Murphy, he'd be great. Like we see through these people, uh, Patty Murray, Bill Nelson, Tina Smith, who also just got into Congress. Uh, who was appointed, you know, the Minnesota, Minnesota seat yeah. that Al Frank. Uh, I guarantee a fucking Keith Ellison would have supported this this uh, congressional review if he was the one who was appointed. 
but God forbid they ever appoint a fucking strong progressive. Um, John Tester, Montana, Tom Udall, and Mark Warner. So the usual suspects. Oh, but... I want to, I want to go on that first. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to pull you off on a tangent. Yeah, that's yeah. apparently what I do on the podcast. Um, I want to talk about the Keith Ellison, uh, Tina thing for a second, because this is something that bothers me. And I understand that the way that, that Tina was, was appointed is the law and that's how it goes. That needs to change. I think that if yeah. a Senate seat or a house seat is, is given up, be it, through be, being pushed out or resignation or what have you, there needs to be an immediate special um, election. Special election, because yeah. what she's doing is exactly what I said. As soon as I saw that the governor was appointing her, she's doing exactly. She's his what lieutenant I governor too. Yeah, I think yeah. right. Yeah, and that's got to stop. That's got to fucking change. Now, if you want to have a special election and say, okay, so the house. The, that or that Senate seat was held by a Democrat, so it has to be a Democrat that goes in to finish the term. That's fine, but there needs to be a special election so that the people can decide who they want to fill that seat. Because this is just bullshit, where yeah. these politicians politicians can just start appointing elected seats. Yeah, no, it's total bullshit. I mean, it's un, it's totally undemocratic. Uh, you um, fuckers still believe in democracy? Yeah, I know, right? Hey, it works Fucking in some places. Just crazy notion. Here. Uh, you know, I, I do hope Keith does run, though, in 2018 for that seat, because I, I believe she only gets to serve up until the next batch of elections, and, and then that seat's up for grabs. Yeah, she only gets to finish out Franken's term. Yeah, we, so. yeah, he was up again in 2018 anyway, so yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, it's so just, like, what the, what the fuck use is this party if they can't even vote? Like, to me, when I heard that, I was like, oh, great, that's a no-brainer 48 yes votes. Like, what the fuck? How th- I mean, they can't even so make blatantly a fucking, corporate. They can't even make an effort. Because let's be real. Like, do you think we're gonna get three Republicans to cross over or two Republicans to cross over on that shit? Probably a, not. Uh, I, I wouldn't actually. Some Republicans publicly s- express support for net neutrality, and it's eighty three percent pop. Like, I know generally the will of the people doesn't matter. I actually think that you could get a Republican to flip on okay. that. Well, but it's just it's blown me away over and over again, though, that even on things where we only need two now that that uh, the, Jones is in. Oh, that's true. The the ones to target the, the Republicans to target for that are the ones that are up for re-election in 2018 because yeah. they're going to flip. Collins would be someone to target that you could get to flip on that. Collins might flip on that. Um, but <laughs> we actually need the fucking Democrats to get behind it first, which seems to be an impossible task. So uh, who knows? Oh, it's always fun, ain't it? Although I will say I'm happy to hear, um, Kirsten, Gilli- Kirsten Gillibrand's name isn't on there because she's actually, you know, what's, <laughs> one other silver lining is that, you know, maybe there is hope that people can see the light because her. Her starting to support more progressive legislation, I'm convinced, isn't solely just she can read the writing on the wall because she supported the Work Act with Bernie Sanders, which is about worker co-ops and employee ownership, which no one's talking about. And she still came out on that um, to help him co-sponsor it. So, you know, I there's some Uh, there's some hope. It's just as sad that uh, the majority of the party absolutely sucks. Well, I I just I, I. I wouldn't vote for Gillibrand, but I, I just know her too well. <laughs> but yeah. um, honestly, I, I do think there's an element in a lot of politicians, not all of them. Some of them are just corporate fucking whores, you know, like Joe Manchin. But I think there's an element in a lot of these politicians in that. And, you know, we've seen it in some of the people we've we've worked with who have good intentions um, and get co-opted by the party machine. Like Kirsten Gillibrand may have been a, a super progressive politician when she entered into politics, you know, like fresh eyed and all that shit. And then the Clinton uh, Democratic machine in New York, especially got a hold of her and was like, look, you have to do this, this, this and this or you're never going to get fucking elected. I mean, you saw like when she criticized Bill uh, or, or when she she basically there, there was this whole movement like during the early part of the Me Too movement where they were like, 
hey, you know, we let Bill Clinton get away with being a serial sexual predator for fucking 20-something years, and they've never really reckoned with that. And she was like, yeah, that's true. She, like, tweeted out some, like, tepid kind of agreement with that article. And one of Clinton's people uh, tweeted out, like, oh, well, we gave, uh, the Clintons gave you money, she gave you her seat, and this is how you repay her. And I was like, wow. So, and this was like a Clinton aide. This wasn't just some random guy. Uh, so they freely admit that they fucking install Kirsten Gillibrand in Hillary's old Senate seat. So it's like, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, and I, I don't want to get into it a thing about why I think she might have reformed in some ways. Well, no, but... I'm saying that in defense of maybe she wasn't that bad and she just had to, to get that seat, had to bow to the horrible fucking Clinton machine to even get that seat. Yeah. But, and you know, now that I do think it is true that, amongst a lot of i don't know maybe not amongst these politicians because they're already so in bed with the corporate america but i do feel like the clintons have really lost their control or losing their control oh, quickly sure. of the yeah. democratic party so i think somebody like Gillibrand, like i said is not only seeing the writing on the wall but maybe can let loose and be progressive whereas honestly i think that kind of option never has remotely existed for like the Cory Bookers or the Pelosi's or the Schumer's of the world. Well, the Clintons um, have had a death grip on the party for fucking 30 years. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they I, I do think people after, after losing to a fucking racist game show clown, like people are like, wow, maybe these people aren't the fucking answer. And since they're not going to be running again, presumably fucking hopefully uh, in 2020, they're like, well, we don't really need to kiss their ass anymore. Like, why are we still supporting this this fucking stable of proven losers? Like, I don't know, you know? Clintons haven't won since the fucking 90s. The only reason they won then was because of the fucking disastrous economic policies of the Reagan era, and there's always a little bit of a swing, you know, towards the other. They co-opted something and got in, you know based on that, and then Bill's presidency was buoyed by the tech boom and the dot-com bubble, they really are not good politicians. Like, they think they are, but in 2017, they're fucking dinosaurs who don't know what the fuck they're talking about, and they're proven losers. So I, I think people are starting to see that, which is why you see people like Gillibrand willing to distance themselves from the Clintons. Yeah, what I... What, uh, the scary what, part is that Hillary's actually getting back in politics. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. She's trying See, to find her place in the 2018 midterms, guys. And that's what's scary to me is that I think there's no doubt in my mind that 2018 is going to be a year of, should easily be a year for the Democrats. The problem is, is what kind of Democrat is it going to be? Is it going to be a real progressive or is it going to be more of these Republicans that, that just have a D next to their name? And that's, uh, you, you know, I, scary. I, th I think we're going to have a, a bag. decent progressive movement. I, I think we're going to get quite a few progressives in office. But when you have the uh, establishment doing to progressives what they're doing, like, for example, Sarah Smith and, and others, like, blocking out Van completely, not just Vote Builder, but entire NGP Van, that makes it really hard. And it's hard to get a good field, you know, good field program going. It's hard to get... Uh, statistics that you need, the data that you need going. And so they're doing everything they can to make sure that we don't have the progressive wave. All we need to do is fight harder, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, uh, we are going to get out of here this week. Uh, if you like what you hear from us, please uh, check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash move left. We do, uh, Movie Left, uh, a podcast over there, which is for Patreon members uh, exclusively. We review politically themed movies. Uh, we just did uh, Bright, Netflix's new uh, Will Smith, Joel Edgerton, Orc vehicle, <laughs> um, which we all really enjoyed. Uh, but, the, you know, we, we talk a lot about the uh, societal implications of that movie and kind of the general critic reception to that movie and why it may have been the way it was uh we talk about a lot of stuff like that so go check that out we also reviewed they live the 1988 john carpenter movie and uh jfk the 91 oliver stone movie 
and we do about two of those a month uh, for the people over on Patreon. So check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash move left. If I can, Anthony, I just want to yeah. say also for a special installment of uh, $30, a one-time donation, you'll get a unique calendar um, for every month. Anthony will be dressed up in a different outfit. So that's also an option for our <laughs> listeners. Can I pay 30 bucks to not get that calendar? <laughs> Fuck both of you. And you know, um, <laughs> February is Valentine's Day, so don't be surprised if there's some Cupid action going on there. <laughs> you can both go fuck yourselves. And then um, <laughs> follow us on uh, Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash move left idiots. Uh, I'm at a Montarulo on Twitter. Uh, Jeremy's at what, what's your handle, Jeremy? Fuck, I don't know. Hold on, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's my name. Go figure. It's at Jeremy underscore Elwood with two L's. Max is... I'll try that again without Max dying in the background. (laughs) At Jeremy underscore Elwood with two L's. Max is like at Corona 55 or something. Yeah, don't use Twitter. Don't worry about it. I don't believe (laughs) he does. He doesn't even fucking answer us. What the hell? Yeah. 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 If you get a response out of Max, good luck. Cause we can't. (laughs) Um, yeah. And come back next week and join us on move left idiots. insanity in the control room tonight.